0: all right greg i am completely fresh out of topics so you're gonna have you're gonna have to really pull your weight on this okay. episode <laughs> i've been pulling the weight the last two times oh bullshit you I, like I, to talk I... <laughs> all right i've had an idea uh, let's open the newspaper today what do we got um oh nothing but good news nothing of yeah. interesting <laughs> nothing but interesting things to talk about yeah i wanted to delve into our personal lives Sean. how was how was last night's celebration with your your spouse's birthday it was fine. Nothing, okay. nothing super just, exciting to write home. Just about. fine. You didn't you didn't give him an exceptional birthday. You didn't have a flash mob or No. Simon okay. doesn't like to do anything for his birthday. And so obviously as a result and again, that is a passive aggressive ploy as we all know. So obviously <laughs> I did nothing for his birthday and then he's mad at me because I did nothing for his birthday even though that's specifically what he asked for. So. Hey, exactly, John. You have to see through these bruises. All right, already. All right. <laughs> You've been married for gosh, 2 years now and yes. Two and a half years, and already you can't see through these boys. So <laughs> you got to do better. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> John, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here today. It's trailer time! Woo, trailer trash! Let's let's make it happen! Come on, now, get Billy Bob and, and and Jimmy Dean on here, and woo! Let's talk trailers. Now, we we aspire to be snobs, so obviously we don't talk about uh, the things that the little people like to discuss. <laughs> the plebeians like to discuss. Oh, oh, how they chortle and and laugh at the trailers. But no, 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 not us. No. We're beyond such things. Yeah, because we grew up in the 90s when trailers were terrible. They still had the, the Don LaFontaine uh, voiceover or, like, really saccharine music. I remember the music being very saccharine. And, uh, yes. yeah, and the trailers were terrible, but the movies would be good. And then... Well, now, hold on, yeah. hold on. Ca- like, m- slight mischaracterization. I would say, like all things in the 90s, they were terrible, but they had charm. Okay? So <laughs> that's what I will say about the trailers. Okay, I, I'll, I'll disagree. Again, what only comes to my mind are some of my all time favorite movies are obviously in the nineties but Again, terrible trailer, saccharin uh, music, terrible voiceover, like not really mm-hmm. highlighting the quality of the film. But anyway, that's fine. You want to talk about basically the direction that films are going? Yes. Uh, let's let's start with uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, or I know they played lo- fast and loose with the title, the subtitle, or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. it's No Way Home, right? Or I I believe so. Yes. Okay. I should have probably double checked that myself, <laughs> but yes, I believe it's No Way Home. All it right. has home in the title. They always have home in the title. I, I don't know why, but uh. I don't, because, Greg, S- Spider-Man belongs to Disney now. It belongs with Marvel. Yay. <laughs> yeah, right, <fine>. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but here's what I find absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, it sets up the premise, which is Peter Parker wants to go back to his normal life uh, being, you know, anonymous as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the whole gist of the Spider-Man character is the fact that being a superhero makes his life worse, not better. So that is part of the the mythos of, of what makes a Spider-Man story spider The dichotomy. Yeah, the dichotomy between being a superhero and a normal teen. yeah, Exactly, yes. So that is the premise. He, he, he conscripts Doctor Strange to help him with this process. He does some wangle-fenangle magic and allows it to happen. Now, let's keep in mind that the whole premise of this movie is based on a Post-credit scene from Spider-Man: Far From Home, where it turns out that his secret identity is revealed in mass to the public. So, if you walked out of Spider-Man: Far From Home as soon as the credits start rolling, you would have no idea how we got to the premise of the third in this trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay, I think watching the trailer. Yeah, it lays that out pretty clearly. Like mm-hmm. I, I watched Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, Far From Home on the airplane, and I did not, and it landed before I could finish it. So no, I did not, I did not reach that point. However, again, it lays that out. The trailer lays that out pretty clearly, and I'm assuming that you have seen the trailer because obviously, pe- way more people see trailers than actual movies at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they love to speculate and talk about trailers much more than the actual movies themselves. <laughs> Because, honestly, I think think we also agree, trailers are the future of movies. Let's just do trailers from now on. We don't even need the whole movies anymore. Save us the two hours. Save us the $15 ticket. We'll just Mm -hmm. take the trailers. Thank you. Yes, and make uh, TV series shorter shorter episodes. Mm -hmm. Make the movies again, basically. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I just think it's incredibly fascinating because, again, part of the charm of the Marvel movies is that those post-credit scenes were... um, you know, little, just little tidbits, little Easter eggs. You know, sometimes they were, you know, like they set up the next movie. But mo- many times they were just jokes, and they were just little, little dressings, just a little sprig of pepper on the end of your ni- ninety little minute fun times. But now they're using them to actually make important retcons and important steps towards the next movies, and and that's a dangerous hole that Marvel needs to pull itself out of. No, I, I'm I completely disagree. I think you're completely wrong on that front. Oh, because really? what is what is the A the original. Because they're trying to recapture the magic. Again, these movies have been around for 10-plus years. And um, based on the box office results and critical reception of Black Widow, maybe maybe it's starting to lose some steam. So I think they're trying to recapture the magic of what was the very first Marvel Cinematic uh, movie, Iron Man. Mm. And that one, A, not only does the post-credit scene set up that they're going to bring together... like not only does Samuel Jackson entone this threat uh, that's facing the world, but also that we're going to bring the superheroes together, i.e. Uh, I. the Avengers. Hmm. Um, and that is basically what they're trying to do here. Uh, they set up like this premise of what the threat is, basically, like uh, Peter Parker trying to um, go back in time and, and mend his personal life and his professional life, i.e. the professional life of being a superhero, um, with the post-credit scenes, but also uh, trying to recapture the magic of... Uh, the, the big twist at the end of Iron Man that hey Iron Man has revealed his identity and now like the the celebrity's even more like it's not just it's yeah. not just being a superhero it's not just leading the double double life but it's where everybody knows who you are and and you're a celebrity and yeah nobody will yeah leave that you is alone, part of, basically yeah and that is part of the charm of the of the Marvel movies is the fact that they don't they eschew secret identities and part of the fun of those characters in their own stories is that they are treated as celebrities as we would treat them in our own world it's like hey yes. it's Krems Hemsworth just in this version hey it's thor oh my gosh he's so cute he's so dreamy let's put him on the cover of people magazine yes. so yes yeah. and they're also uh, apparatuses of the us government <laughs> and uh, yes absolutely yes <laughs> designed to fill out our uh, fulfill our, our imperial needs so <laughs> exactly and uh, and uh, to be the bread and circuses that distract the masses from growing yes, income inequality and a warming planet so too. Yeah. yes <laughs> I'm I'm more interested in the trailer for uh, the Matrix Four, or as some people are writing it, m 4 tricks. tricks. <laughs> which I am all here for. Yes, please, yeah. more of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> again, going back to the '90s when they put like ID4 for Independence Day, like mm-hmm. nonsensical, made no sense, but. <laughs> still i'm here for it this is the f- the fourth one and it looks like uh it's as if neo it's as if they're rebooting and neo has has uh basically lost his uh lost his identity of the one and hasn't met trinity before and is going to therapy um which is a good thing i think guys should go to therapy so <laughs> Now, great. Fellas, is it gay to go to therapy i'm sure it's a question that'll eventually come up yes <laughs> and the answer to that is yes however i feel like we all need to get in touch with our, our gay sides so mm, there you go yeah <laughs> oh believe you me i've been in touch with many gay sides <laughs> anyway anywho <laughs> yeah easy picking just low-hanging fruit thank you anyway um but they yes but that we only have uh we don't have an actual at time of recording we don't have an actual official release of a of a trailer yep. yet um, I just think that it's it. It shows how sweaty the state of Warner Brothers is that they released <laughs> Space Jam and The Matrix Four, just trying to recapture that magic. You know, well, it's it reminds yeah. me of that one grade thirty rock joke where he's like, "Here's our programming block for the next fall, and one of the little slivers of pie is make it 1997 again through magic or science." <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, they're literally trying to do that. There, there is an externality in that they. Literally, we're trying to get sold to AT and T, mm-hmm. and that's hence, hence why Justice League came out as one movie. And yeah, just basically, it's basically thrown the whole studio for a loop. And them also being the, the auteur driven studio, like they they will give Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese and the Wachowski siblings like all this money to actually fulfill their vision. And sometimes it works out for the best, like, say, uh, Scorsese's The Departed or uh, Nolan's Batman movies. And sometimes for the worst, like Speed Racer and Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Greg, how dare you? The Wachowskis are true auteurs, all right? And I, I won't dispute. I'm not disputing that. A- and Cloud <laughs> and Atlas and now we have proved look, it. Now we Cloud Atlas like lit the world on fire. Everyone could not get enough. You had kids cosplaying as Cloud Atlas characters for years to come. Mm-hmm. I, I like Cloud Atlas, and I will not dispute that they are a, that they are auteurs. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have to look at is auteurism a good thing? Mm. <laughs> excellent, an excellent question. That's that's yeah. that's a debate for another day, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, John, let's look at uh, another auteur, um, one that we've never looked at before. Uh, her name is Amy Heckerling. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to report she's one of the few female directors that, uh, <laughs> that we look at uh, when we profile a film. Um, speaking of which, hello, this is the aspiring snobs, and uh, basically we review a, a classic movie that, we ha- that you or I hadn't seen yet, or in this case, both of us hadn't seen, and, um, again, we adjudicate whether it is uh, worthy of that classic status. Yes, and uh, this week, because of the the back-to-school spirit, and uh, Mm -hmm. for another reason, which I'll get into a little bit later, I thought it uh, it was the perfect time to kind of relearn how to drive, and also relearn the classics of literature. So that's why this week we're revisiting the 1995 classic, Clueless.
1: I don't know why Dion's going out with a high school boy. They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them and... It's just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh, as if! Should all oppressed people be allowed refuge in America? Amber will take the composition. Cher will be pro. Cher, two minutes. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings... But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Thank you you very much.
0: This comes to us from... Amy Heckerling, also the director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, another teen classic. Mm -hmm. Um, They came to her saying, we want to do another movie about teens, and now I'm terrified whenever a movie studio executive says, (laughs) I want to do a movie about
1: teens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the issue is that it's hard to, because again, uh, Hollywood's run by old Mm -hmm. white people. I think there's a real tough challenge to sell something that says, this is going to be for teens. Like, the biggest thing I can imagine recently that kind of, like, captured the imagination that was centered around teens was Euphoria. But with Mm -hmm. Euphoria, that's kind of more program designed to be for the parents of teens, (laughs) to be, like, to scare them, (laughs) to be, like, oh, look how much drugs your kids are into. (laughs) Which is very weird. A lot of, like, TV shows imply that, like, oh, you know, these fucking kids, these Generation Zs, they're just hopped up on pills all day long. And it's like, actually, I think according to surveys, it's like they're the most sober generation we've had so far. Yes, (laughs) they're the most sober, the most sexless, Mm -hmm. and yeah. It's because uh, you know they have they get all the chemicals from uh, the pollutants and things like that, so they don't even need the HTA. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly medications or anything. They like get the, that. they get the Teflon. They, uh, yeah, they've got Teflon in their blood already. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly, and they're eating the microplastics. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they've been having the vaccines it since <laughs> in vitro. so they're fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Gen Zers are all right in my book. <laughs> Keep TikToking yes, yeah. those dances, you crazy diamonds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's the one thing I was going to dispute. This is kind of an artifact when uh, you could make a movie. There was a market for movies for teens mm-hmm. and obviously that's not the case anymore because what teen actually wants to go out a they can't afford to go out and <laughs> to the movie theater because uh, their parents can't because uh, the economy's in shambles um but uh now all of that's on social media and tiktok so yeah like now now we have to observe like again not just an artifact from the mid-90s but also like one in which uh, a, a movie was made from like a, a teenage ethos um but I was surprised that this—it's not just a, a teenage story; it's also a social satire. Because mm-hmm. um, like the very opening moments, when um, uh, our hero, Cher, our stand-in for Jane Austen's Emma, um, basically goes through the Jurassic Park CD ROM and uh, picks out an outfit and and puts on a a, a wonderful uh, yellow plaid number. <laughs> um, it was the it was the hot it was the hot material of the time, plaid. Everyone loved yes. it. Yes. Yes it was. Yes it was. And uh yeah, like I I knew like immediately this is a, a ridiculous exaggerated <laughs> version of <laughs> A no A no no parent in Beverly Hills is sending their children to public school for one thing. <laughs> Well, that's the kind of interesting thing about the movie, watching it, was um, I am kind of, I am a big fan of the Zucker Abrams Zucker, and I can't help but feel like if you are going to do a comedy, and maybe it's because, again, like, again, this feels like a relic because they don't do mainstream (laughs) comedies anymore, like, you Mm -hmm. really kind of have to, like, push the lack of verisimilitude almost to its extremes, but this movie Mm -hmm. still kind of feels I mean, at least to a little, like, I, I hesitate to call it grounded, but again, it never, mm-hmm. it never, this, this movie's not too exaggerated, I would say. I'd say it's still grounded and it, it still kind of has a sense of normalcy, I would say, even though obviously, you know, um, Alicia Silverstone's character is a true menace on the roadways and I don't think any human being would be allowed <laughs> with her driving skills anywhere near a, an automobile. Well, I feel like it gets more grounded when we have to get into the the real, let's say, romantic or dramatic stakes of the film. Mm-hmm. I guess let, let's lay it out. Um, basically, this is a, a loose adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Emma is about uh, a kind of flighty, high-society girl who, like, at the advanced age of like 21, <laughs> hasn't married yet. <laughs> She's practically a spinster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's the same case with Cher here. Like, she kind of knows the ins and outs of every click, and um, knows how to talk her way into good grades, and mm-hmm. um, and kind of pull the wool over people's eyes, like like a like a, a socialite or something. Like, you know, somebody who knows how to ma- navigate her way in the world, except when it comes to romance. Like, you know, she doesn't da- she refuses to date any high school boys because they don't. She doesn't feel like they match her maturity mm-hmm. or anything like that. And um, and yeah, she, she and she finds finds ways to like basically get her way in, work through this high society. Um, the first time we see it is when she gets a, a C in debate. And she's capable of talking her way out of grades, but not this time. And the way she does it is by playing matchmaker, basically. Um, with her teacher, with her debate teacher, played by Wallace Shawn. Um, who I thought was very good. Like, he's the one who keeps it grounded. Like, again, you got a character actor like Wallace Shawn. You could play it up with, like, his, his yeah. froggy voice or whatever. And, and him and him like, harrumphing, like, how the class isn't paying attention. But no, he apparently drew from his, his real life experience as a high school teacher, and just like kind of mm-hmm. demurs, and you know, plays off the students, and yeah, like maybe that's a that's a little bit more realistic when he's surrounded by you know, <laughs> kids of fabulous wealth and ridiculous outfits yeah, and, say and stuff like that, atrociously dumb things, and he's just like, well, okay, that's your opinion, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's also yeah. a testament to um, Wallace Shaw and how memorable he is is the fact that he's really only in the first like. 30, 20 minutes of this movie. Like, whatever people bring him up, they yeah. obviously bring up The Princess Bride, but then they're also like, oh, and remember him in Clueless? He was great in Clueless. When he's barely in this, he's literally just the inciting incident, you know, and mm-hmm. again, just a demonstration of Cher's power to, you know, her her EQ as opposed to her IQ. Because, again, this this movie's playing with a lot of stereotypes, obviously. It's, a, it's meant to be a social satire. So, there is there's that, yeah. the obvious kind of point of, or, point of comparison they could do is like oh this is a valley girl she's not very bright she's very dim however no it's not that she's not or not that she's not smart it's just that she's smart in a very different way which is she's able to climb the social ladder And hence, that's why she cares so much about her outfits. That's why she plans so meticulously. And again, there's other times where she's talking and she actually proves herself to be extremely erudite the way she's able to, like, you know, her vocabulary is very impressive. And maybe the fact that she's not good at school is because she's just not challenged or it's just not for her. So, yeah. Well, it kind of depends on the... I guess the circumstance, like, like you said, it's playing a little bit with stereotypes. Like Cher at times is a dumb blonde. Like she Mm -hmm. doesn't pay attention on the road. And you know, that's, that's played to comical effect when she's running into other cars in her white Jeep. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Add, but like as as we show like with the tutelage of her father, like everything's like a negotiation, and mm-hmm. um again, that's something that that feels like very exaggerated from the beginning, like you know, like <laughs> she comes with a bad report card or whatever is like what you didn't like negotiate up, everything's a negotiation or whatever, and like th- that you could mind for like kind of ridiculous comedy, but the the way their relationship dovetails, like you know like. She appreciates how hard he works, and, mm-hmm. and like, they, they they seem to grow closer, like, as the movie goes on. He's actually, so, her dad is actually my favorite character in the whole movie. Because, yeah. <laughs> again, like, talking about, like, stereotypes and kind of, like, playing it very broad, he is, <laughs> there's nothing out of his mouth that is not, like, a command or an order or demand. My yeah. <laughs> favorite scene is when uh, Brittany Murphy, Ty, is coming over for dinner. He introduces him, <laughs> and his first words are, move, because she's in his seat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it I guess it's a little ridiculous. I mean, speaking of social satire, I guess I think the the most thing that I most appreciated is that this world is clearly not a meritocracy. Mm. Um <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> yeah. I mean and come kind on, of it's like, Beverly Hills, it's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, but I I guess we should get to the real, real crux of the story is that uh a share played by Alicia Silverstone, basically wants to play matchmaker for a girl who's new to school, a woman from Brooklyn, who's obviously way out of her depth in, in the um, kind of phony Erzatz world of Beverly Hills. And she's like, I'm going to ingratiate you into this world by setting you up with somebody, uh, like a guy, who uh, who can like clue you in. At first, she has eyes for the, the uh, way-storied skater, played by <laughs> <Yes>. Meyer, <Breckenmeyer. laughs> And she has and to they explain seem... to her, it's like, no, 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 these are not the boys you go after, come on. Yeah um so instead she tries to set him up with obviously like the rich kid the the the, the uh the bad boyfriend as we'll learn um <laughs> who that's kind of the tough thing with sex uh, with um what am i saying uh with social satire is um later that that uh that character that she's trying to set him up with like uh, turns out to be a creep and and commit sexual assault against Cher and and later she gets robbed and and th- that that seen that that scene in particular when they're at this party in in the valley which like literally living in los angeles is like a whole other world
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i could i could see why a parent would be so concerned that they're like oh my gosh a 20 minute drive away <laughs> like you know <laughs> but uh th- yeah you could see like kind of like i don't know like it it's it's trying to be a ridiculous comedy but also like having a hard time facing up to the reality of like uh how how awful like uh this kind of um sexual assault and let's say toxic masculinity is, uh particularly in the scene. It's not it's not exactly like um it it's it's where these kind of two modes aren't meeting, at least in in my mind. Um it is later. I mean, that's where that party scene is where we see the most like physical comedy. It's where like people get knocked out and hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, but she does she also gets mugged unfortunately like that's the other yeah. one, kind of but that's also kind of like played for laughs so it's yeah it's not exactly uh, I would say a sensitive depiction of no. what she goes through <laughs> she's kind of the butt of the joke but uh,
1: searching for a boy in high school is as useless as searching for meaning in a poly Shore movie this must be the elusive Christian. Where should I park? There's one third back. Okay, okay. Now, I know I said I'd find a guy for Ty. But I suppose there's no harm in finding one for myself also. Nice
0: stems and that's a, and that's the thing that you're kind of playing with like you, you want to tell a, a true emotional story but also like you want to do this ridiculous satire and like how, how do you play it and, and that's the I'd say that's the one scene where it really kind of like falters because yeah you want to see like sexual assault for the like t- terrible depravity that it is or whatever but no it's kind of like just played off and yeah that, like, but that again, was it a n- of, very 90s thing to do you know come on <laughs> the era of Anita Hill it's like oh come on these are just jokes yeah Jokes and yeah. jokes, yeah. I mean, I I don't have to worry about it. this movie was not produced by Harvey Weinstein. Instead, it, it was produced by Scott Rudin, ah, <laughs> and now we go to the second reason why I wanted to revisit this movie. <laughs> do John, do you want to explain who Scott Rudin is, or? Scott Rudin? Greg is not just a producer; he's a super producer. <laughs> That's how. Look out, MCU! (laughs) (laughs) You've got you've got another uh, metahuman on your on your tail. Uh, That's the DC universe. (laughs) Metahumans are in the DC. (laughs) You fool! (laughs) Come on. (laughs) No, Scott Rudin. um, He is a very prolific producer. Um, It's quite crazy how many movies he's actually produced. If you ever go to his Mm -hmm. IMDb, it's it's quite insane. Yeah, Um, (laughs) great great movies too. Oscar winners like. Mm -hmm. And also very big on Broadway. So, uh, you know, he, he, but uh, turns out after a Hollywood reporter uh, kind of expose revealed, um, uh, I I wouldn't say uh, not quite a a serial assaulter quite like Harvey Weinstein, but clearly cut from the same cloth, which is, you know, very much fostering uh, what we would call a toxic work environment where, you know, he has all the power, he lords all the power over you and can Mm -hmm. uh, fly off the handle uh, for any (laughs) minor uh, malfeasance, so... Yeah, but again, not a sexual assaulter as far as we know. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, personally, I think the worst thing you can say about him is that he was a little insensitive to his computer equipment. Okay, folks. So <laughs> You mean keep, as your the I, over- keep your IT guy on standby when Scott Rudin's around? Gosh. Yes, you mean as that trade magazine reported, he literally throws items at mm-hmm. interns, like literally low to unpaid interns who feel no choice I mean again they're with a, they're in the company of a super producer like of course they're going to like maintain this horrible toxic environment like yeah uh, yeah for the sake of their careers but and yeah, again like, like, like we're talking about physically injuring people like he broke a yeah. poor woman's hand you know cuz she couldn't uh, yes. she couldn't get the flight he was looking for like we're talking about that kind of toxic work environment yes but. there was that, that physical abuse too yeah all mm-hmm. these sins are equal in god's eyes so <laughs> Scott Rudin, you are canceled. You are you are banished. Okay? Yes, but John, you chose Clueless and wanted to give him money anyway. So <laughs> explain yourself. I look. I'm. What I'm saying is that when you know all this Scott Rudin stuff was coming out at the beginning of the year, hashtag Times Up, hashtag Me Too. Mm-hmm. This movie was on the list of you know like again everyone was talking about the Social Network. They were talking about all of the uh, Coen Brothers movies that were. No with. Country for Old Men. Yeah. But then they also would bring up clueless and i think it's Mm -hmm. because it's like well hold on folks he also raised up women filmmakers because this is a movie directed and written by a woman so therefore he can't be of all bad guys hollywood can't you know hollywood is a is a is a place of many layers okay hollywood is like an onion okay yes you'll end up crying by the end of it yes and that's Yeah, yeah. Scott Rudin uh, uplifted many female filmmakers, and that's why we have to stay in Afghanistan for another 40 years. Um, It's not to control their precious resources or um, maintain hegemony in the region. It's for the women, okay? It's for for feminism. That's why we have to stay there. Now Uh, we care about women, guys, okay? Yeah. (laughs) When it's politically advantageous, now we care about women. Yep. George W. Bush said that. (laughs) It's like, we will not tolerate anti-feminist sem- sentiment half a world away. No. We'll tolerate it here, but not over there. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine a country where women might not get every choice they want? Mm. I can't imagine. <laughs> anyway! <laughs> Sorry, we were talking about Scott Rudin and the horrible <laughs> system that we have. Uh, not just, not just uh, carrying out the uh, our American imperial, <laughs> our American empire, but also uh, in our entertainment industry. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, Yes, in light of that, like, obviously, like, it it's clear that um, uplifting uh, Amy Hackerling and, you know, the fact that he did put women in these positions is just a cudgel to, like, somehow <laughs> condone his horrible behavior. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, again, whenever it's revealed that, you know, uh, uh, some artist was a craven monster, it's like, ah, oh, but think of the art! Think of the result! <laughs> think of the commerce! Wasn't it all worth it, guys? So, um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to revisit it, is because, you know, his name was, was always floating around the ether, and and, mm-hmm. and I just finally never got a chance to watch Clueless. Um, the other reason why I'm glad I finally got to watch Clueless. Is because of this movie is not only a, a, a win for for women in filmmaking, but also representation of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that didn't quite uh, let's say sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first, first is probably the casting of one Stacy Dash as her. Oh well. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna say like. I, I don't want to, like, accuse it of tokenism or something like that, but it's, it's like, the one character who doesn't have an equivalent in the Jane Austen novel, and I, I, like, I don't know, like, her relationship with the character played by Donald Faison is supposed mm. to, like, illuminate something, like, but otherwise like, she's, she's kind of, like, some that's kind of this empty vessel, and like, you know, like, kind of washing away the terrible class <laughs> politics that kind of lay underneath the reality of a city like Beverly Hills, Yes, um, for instance, um, also, Stacey Dash, a frequent <laughs> Fox News contributor. Um, <laughs> yeah, like again, like ignoring everything that's going on with Scott Rudin. Let's ignore everything that's going on with Stacey Dash currently. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, she is canceled. All right, yes. not renewed. Do not shop your show around to other networks. It is over. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's also some LGBTQ representation that I think is worth discussing because she thinks she's found. She says she's insistent that she's not going to date a high school boy, assuming that they're not mature or on her like intellect or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, she does come across a guy named Christian and um, he's kind of, he's kind of <laughs> cut from this uh, uh, mid nineties revival of, of greaser culture. Like <laughs> best, best line in the movie again comes from the father. <laughs> what? Yeah. It, when he walks in, the father goes, so when you think Sammy Davis Jr. Died, that had an opening for the Rat Pack for you. <laughs> that is that is a great line and and apparently yes um, because uh yeah he has the big high-waisted billowy pants um mm. and like the bowling shirt um and the fedora the fedora yeah, classic there's a fedora you're right about that yeah um but also he has a, has an affinity for for particular mo- uh, movies that starred tony curtis for some reason <laughs> yes <laughs> On the date that uh, 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 Sh- mm-hmm. Alvezio Silverstone thinks that they're gonna actually uh, consummate their relationship, that's when he wants to watch Spartacus instead, and he—, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't you know—that just wears him out for the evening. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or I'm gonna stay with these guys to the after party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another great, you know, just fun little moments in this movie. You know, the the party where they go out. He's the last one dancing. It seems like it's like eleven o'clock. He's the last one on the dance floor. And everyone's yeah. ready to go. Home. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, it's kind of funny. I don't know if it's like a huge win for like LGBTQ representation because, like, yeah, yeah. Before like, I don't know. The sitcom *Modern Family* came along, like you could have gay characters, but they can't just can't be gay, like basically. And yeah, we're just supposed to laugh at his like affinity for uh, Tony yes. Curtis, or or for his uh, his fashion sense. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not a very deep portrayal, I'll say that. No, much. Yeah. you're absolutely right. But um, yeah, you know, and they I, never confront it either. Like somebody just tells him, like, yeah, that guy's hella gay, and that's it. That's just the end <laughs> <Yes>. of it. <laughs> it's it's Donald Faison's character who, who yeah. reveals it, to it, which you know causes Cher to officially realize that. Not only is she clueless, but she's totally bugging guys, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But how does Donald Faison know that? (laughs) Greg, come on, come on. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) It's guy love, Greg, okay? (laughs) All right, fair enough.
1: clueless. Oh, and this Josh and Ty thing was wigging me more than anything. I mean, who's my problem? Ty is my pal. I don't begrudge her a boyfriend. I really, ooh, I wonder if they have that my size. What does she want with Josh anyway? He dresses funny, he listens to Complaint Rock. He's not even cute, in a conventional way. I mean, he's just like this slug who hangs around the house all the time. Ugh. And he's a hideous dancer. Couldn't take him anywhere. Wait a second, what am I stressing about? This is like Josh. Okay, okay, so he's kind of a Baldwin. But what would he want with Ty? She couldn't make him happy. Josh needs someone with imagination. Someone to take care of him. Someone to laugh at his jokes. In case he ever makes any. Then suddenly... Oh my god! I love Josh!
0: I thought he was... Yeah, he's fine in this movie. I don't know. I think like again like maybe leans a little bit too much into that black stereotype but you know well, cuz yeah, like I it's g- exaggerated like it, and he's got to play like to the clicks basically yeah like, yeah, like well it's it's in like a was- lot of high school movies it's 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 evocative of like clicks and you know um share obviously explains all of them like the the yeah. skater kids and mm-hmm. the, the high society types yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well no it's just like part of the the thing, the dynamic between him and Stacey Dash is the fact that there's, like, drama between them, and that's what yeah. keeps them going. It's, like, the friction. So, with him, it's kind of this exaggerated misogyny that he kind of plays up, like, the fact that he calls her woman, and, you know, she mm-hmm. obviously hates that, so like, that's the kind of thing that I didn't really appreciate, is the fact that it's, like, rubbing up those two things, like, where it's like, oh, of course, you know, he's African-American, so obviously he's a little bit more misogynist than your average yeah. guy, right? <laughs> Come on. Like, yeah. that's obviously, what I it doesn't have the. It doesn't have the cranial development. As, oh no, no, as no! European <laughs> whites or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the knife's edge that you're riding with satire like this. Like, is she sure. the dumb blonde or like, it, are they are they more sophisticated characters? Like, is Donald Faison's character more sophisticated than he's letting on? He's obviously. Like, aware of things, but like, as you said, like, he, he plays up misogyny. Like, there, mm-hmm. there's the implication he could be abusive or something, like, you know, stuff like that. Like, yeah, and the cat, and the fact that he's an athlete, you know, he's not exactly a, yeah. a, a scientist, so, you know, yeah, but, that's yeah, <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. Uh, but but again, it's a satire that has to get those kind of like direct messages across, and, and I worry that like as the movie goes on, it kind of loses that edge, and instead yeah. becomes the, the typical romance, a, a tale as old as time, uh, where a woman falls in love with her stepbrother. I mean, <laughs> I think that kind of befalls a lot of teen comedies, though. Where it mm-hmm. has like the satire element. I think w- another big one of the early aughts was Saved. Do you remember that movie Saved with Mandy yeah. Moore? Like that is a very mm-hmm. sharp, well observed satire for the first two thirds, and then the last third, it's like, all right, now we got to get earnest, guys. Okay, yeah. you came for the real. This is the real movie time. Okay, this is where <laughs> you start caring about the characters, and it's like, no, you can you can continue the ucks. We can still have fun, guys. So um, I think this movie doesn't fall too far into that trap, but yes, it definitely. Loses something in the last third because it's like, all right, now we got to get serious. All right, so where's, you know, who's Cher going to really end up with? Well, it's the person who was there the whole time, her brother, her stepbrother, obviously, guys, come on. And this is perfectly normal. But also, you know, given the subject material, this is based on Emma, where, you know, every British person was marrying their second cousin. Like, come on. (laughs)
1: Fair and they're divorced,
0: so they're not by law, you know, related anymore. And they're not even yeah. related by blood, so it's okay. <laughs> and it's Paul yeah. Rudd. Who's going to say no to Paul Rudd? <laughs> that Angel's yeah, Wonder. Yeah, but that, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's an angel's Wonder. But, you said he's always there, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of what he's doing all the time. Like, mm. I, like, Cher is convinced that he is altruistic and yes he is compared to how like vacuous and <laughs> and, uh, and navel-gazy the rest of like uh, Beverly Hills high society is but like He helps out her father with litigation, which, I don't know, put to my mind, he's going to wind up the exact same way the firm, like, you know, dealer wheeler who just, like, who just, like, commands, who just, like, sees everybody as his, like, chess piece or something to boss around. But he also, he wants to go into environmental law, so it shows that he has more of a conscious, you know, so... Mm -hmm. He, I don't know. He offers to uh, give the kids a ride um, from the high school to and from a high school party, which I don't, know, which I don't know is could be very nice of him. Also, could just say like, "Hey, I'm going to check out some high school girls." So. <laughs> well, he is in the mid. I think I believe in that scene. He is in the midst of hooking up with somebody, and he yes. totally rebuffs her so he can go save his high school sweetheart, quote okay, unquote. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. That's how you know it's love. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I again. It's I think it's the it's it's one of those things where if the movie has you, you're not thinking about it when you're watching it. But obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not sold at this point in the movie, then obviously it's going to come off as very creepy or weird. I'll be honest. I was sold enough that I didn't even think about it. I was just like, "Oh, Paul Rudd and you know, Alicia Silverstone. They're a cute couple. I, I'm 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 all for it. Yay." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and same with the the character played by Brittany Murphy, where like. Yeah, she's setting her up to you know be part of the, like gives her a makeover and kind of sets her up to be part of the uh, the snobbish clique and, mm-hmm. and wouldn't you know it she turns into a monster who insults like Cher terribly and mm-hmm. like a scene later they reconcile and she apo- and Brittany Murphy's character apologizes so yes. like yeah <laughs> again like things have to go quick things that, yeah <laughs> it all wraps up quite nicely yeah. Um, yeah and we do get a great little fake out scene because after they uh, decide that they're going to be in a relationship we cut to a wedding uh oh <laughs> she goes. <Yeah. laughs> And the voiceover reminds you, "Hey, come on! I'm 16," and it turns (laughs) out it's the wedding of the two teachers that she set up at the beginning. So, Mm -hmm. nice, uh, a fun little twist there. I appreciated that. So,
1: yes. Well, you can guess what happened next. Therefore, as if I am am only 16, and this is California, not Kentucky.
0: You make us the bride.
1: I know that when I have my own wedding, I want this like whole entire floral motif. Oh, Very floral no. garlands. No, 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 when I when I get married, dresses. I'm gonna have a sailor dress, but it's gonna be a gown. And then all my bridesmaids are gonna wear sailor hats. That sounds with so bales, cool. you know. Oh, my God, they're planning our weddings already. Could y'all stop all of that till death do us part mumbo jumbo? I'm telling you, I'm completely bugging. Jeez, I'm, I'm bugging myself. <laughs> Girls, she's about to throw the bouquet. Oh, come on! Look, we got a pool going to see whose girl gets a bouquet. It's up to $200. It's in the bag.
0: Although, the, the uh, throwing of the bouquet later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is an antiquated tradition. Uh, again, just playing, dabbling in stereotypes where women just want to get married. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. I know. F minus. This movie is canceled. <laughs> and that's T. <tea>. Um, <laughs> I don't think it passes the Bechtel test, frankly. I think this movie... <laughs> <laughs> no, technically uh Cher and a friend played by Stacey Dash are talking about Britney Murphy's character, so it's woman, not a guy. So Perfect. All right, yeah. Never mind. A plus. <laughs> <That changed> my- <laughs> Those are the two the two value scales right there. Yeah. F minus or A plus. <laughs> No, it, it's a very like winning film that works as a comedy, like a satire. Like it has all these things. Like yeah, you and I can nitpick and kind of like see, like mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't coalesce into like a a masterpiece or something. But still, it's a very like good film, and I can see like how it's how it's endured, how it's had these legs like twenty six years later. So mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. charming, even though yeah, uh, yes, like a lot of '90s movies we revisit, it. it feels very dated. But maybe that's because we were uh, aware of this era, so that's why we don't really feel yeah, well, it as hardly. Yeah. yeah. I mean uh, when we watch a 70s movie it doesn't feel quite a 70s to us but <laughs> well th- well it depends like are they using pay phones uh, <laughs> yes yeah D- uh, th- the fashions for instance i i guess we we take for <laughs> granted how much how much the internet changed everything and basically unify like fashions uh phones phones and technology and everything like yeah did it though? Like la- or did it fragment everything? That's the argument everyone always makes about it. Well the- th- no, it fragmented our taste maybe, but oh. like in terms of like the, the mise en scène of a movie, uh, for instance, mm. like I think of the movie Ladybird, like that oh. movie's technically set in two thousand three, but it feels like it's it takes place today. That's um, true. yeah. And again very the- specific for us because we, we appreciate that movie because we <laughs> yeah. were those kids. So Yes basically. <laughs> Except we didn't break any bones. Um <laughs> We didn't jump out of a moving car. No. But you did fall in love with kids like Lucas has just so... (laughs) And Timothy Chalamet. If only. (laughs) Unrequited love. The pains of high school. Catholic high school. Yes. (laughs) But yes, Clueless. Fun movie. Highly recommend. Come seek it out. John, speaking of charming movies, Mm -hmm. I've got one that I want to... Uh, uh, bring to your attention. Uh, I don't know. Like, so how, how do how do we usually do that? Like, what can we do to like? I don't know. <sighs> at, at, bring attention uh bring accolades to like is, is there something we can do to kind of well going back to uh ladybird i think we need to uh, put our headspace in the mindset of theater kids right so <laughs> <Yes>. let's let's <laughs> think of this as we're theater kids okay it's got to be a big production what does a big production need it needs a spotlight 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 spotlight
1: it's time robbie it's time <laughs>
0: It also needs Denny's at 3 a.m. Right. We you can, can annoy you know, annoy the wait staff working the uh, graveyard shift. <laughs> no, but John, I wanted to talk about another uh, eternally charming movie, like Clueless. Um, mm-hmm. We caught it in an unlikely place, which is Apple TV Plus. It's the it's the Sundance darling Coda. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you have you heard of this movie? Or? No, I'm just excited that someone out there has Apple TV. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a free trial. Who knows? In in oh, a couple okay. months' time, it maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe we won't be co- catching up on uh, Apple's other uh, original offerings, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um Bacoda, this is a this is, was this year's Sundance Starling, um, sold for a record amount of money, um, and the rumor mill is because uh, Apple didn't have enough content. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, Are lined you up kidding? After the- Greyhound <laughs> lit the world on fire. Come on, <laughs> couldn't get enough. <laughs> yeah and hence they they were kind of desperate for us <laughs> for some content um but also this is going to be a big oscar play because it is a very winning film uh coda is an acronym for child of deaf adults so it's it centers around a family of four um the mother and father are deaf as well as their oldest son but the youngest daughter is not and she basically plays the interpreter in their connection to the real world um their the real world so excuse me the hearing world mm. and so um the the film's set in gloucester they're they're fishing folk and um, <laughs> fishing folk I, I'm trying to, what's the non-gender neutral term for fish for fishermen John uh, come, oh oh suddenly it's a challenge uh, come chuckers <laughs> come chum chuckers come chuckers ch- come ch- again chum, you're thinking of chum. yes no I'm often thinking of the other thing <laughs> disgusting absolutely disgusting all right but they they're a family of fishermen they got their boat um and the youngest the youngest daughter basically plays their interpreter when um she's sailing and she also she's also going to high school um but she's got a gift for music and um she wants to join the choir which is something that her family like literally cannot understand cuz they can't hear and um and their only connection to music is um, <laughs> their dad, dad's love of hip hop because of the heavy bass, you can actually literally feel it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's part of the movie's charm is just the the comedy that's mined um, from the, from the youngest daughter being her name's um, Ruby. Uh, from her being able to hear and the rest of the family not. Um, so when they pick her up from school, like dad's playing this heavy hip hop beat or whatever, and she's embarrassed or whatever. But like dad's like, no, turn it up. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> later he's cooking dinner and he just farts like out out loud because oh. <laughs> yeah. And it and it only affects her. And another great joke is um the mother who's played by Oscar winner Mar- uh, Marlene Matlin. Um I don't know if you've ever seen Children of a Lesser God. That's her like kind of big. Uh, that was her Oscar-winning performance, but um, yeah, she's a she's a genuine deaf actress along with the other uh, actors in this movie. Um, she insists that their daughter Ruby not wear headphones at the table because it's rude, um, but they will allow the older son to go- scroll through Tinder, and they can all decide uh, <laughs> which which girls to go on a date with because um, obviously that's something they can do as a family. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's very winning and charming as like a comedy there, um, but it also becomes kind of the, I. You and I are cynical. Well, I'll just say conventional, kind of like uh, inspirational narrative. Because again, that's, she has a gift for music. Yeah, that's that's what the 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 reviews I've been reading is is that it's 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 not a super challenging. It's it's a great observed, no. uh, a piece of art for the world of the unhearing. However, uh, yeah, it's a pretty conventional narrative, and it gets a little yeah. uh, uh, schmaltzy at the end. I would say. <laughs> yeah the 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 kind of crux is like ruby like does she maintain this commitment to her family and being their connection to the hearing world or does she pursue her own path in this case music um, mm-hmm. which again as i said is like something that their their family literally can't understand and so um and and th- yeah it kind of it plays out in the conventional ways there's a montage set to um the clashes i fought the law <laughs> the law like you oh. know that that kind of like that kind of stuff but it's still like again like genuinely like stirring and and um in terms of like you know playing the heartstrings and 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 playing for laughs like it's still like very effective in that um and and yeah like again you and I can be cynical and and kind of like you know <laughs> nitpick little things but um like overall it's a very funny like charming winning film and mm-hmm. and like again divorcing it from like its Sundance charm and the expectations that it has to to be like Apple TV's first like big Oscar play basically like it it is a very charming and winning film so um yeah um th- two nitpicks that i do want f- uh, to th- throw to you because um, they do have local interests as i said this movie's set in gloucester massachusetts and one thing it's supposed to be set during the the fall the big uh, recital is going to be the fall concert um john now you remember like, you remember what leaves looked like in the fall um were they green and verdant or uh, uh excuse me in fucking gloucester no them leaves are, <laughs> are fucking gone okay yeah. Me and my palie Paulie, we just like shook them trees and you know just got them all down because you know you don't want them in your fucking gutters, okay? So yeah, yes, and and also um, to get away, Ruby goes to the local one of the le- many uh, reservoirs and quarries uh, that dot the North Shore of Massachusetts and goes for a swim. Obviously, you want to do that in September in New England. <laughs> You know, you already have. You're already trying to chase that Manchester by the Sea vibe. So it's like, why would you? Why would you half-ass it like this? This is yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> funny, funny you mention that because I do think there is a location literally in both Manchester by the Sea and this movie. I haven't mm. confirmed it yet, but uh, I do think so. And and one thing like Manchester by the Sea is obviously like the heaviest, deadliest drama like uh, possible. This movie is like obviously a lot more light. um, there's there's only one instance of drug use. The kids don't drink. They don't have sex. Like you know mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it's it's pretty chaste in that way. Um, but there's a, one other nitpick that I have um, of, of local importance, and, and maybe you'll relate to this. Um, again, the the choir that she joins, um, not just because she has a talent for singing, but also she's she's attracted to a cute boy who's also joined the choir. Um, they they sing pop hits from the sixties and seventies, and and one of the songs they choose is uh, Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." Mm-hmm. Now, John. Do you know why this would be uh, particularly inappropriate, not just for any high school choir, but for one set in Gloucester, Massachusetts? I can't imagine, Greg. Please tell me. can't imagine? Okay. <laughs> John, do you remember the Pregnancy Pact? Was that real? I thought that was fake. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, t- and and I'll was explain that in Gloucester it to you. I knew it was in Massachusetts. I didn't think it was in Gloucester. Yes, so. it's literally set in the exact same high oh, school that no. the quote-unquote Pregnancy Pact took to oh, no. In case anybody who who didn't grow up in New England um in 2008 uh 18 students who attended Gloucester High School um were pregnant at the same time mm-hmm. again an unprecedented amount like literally tripled like the, the usual like, teenage pregnancy rate and uh, somebody like just claimed like well it's the teenage girls they all wanted to get pregnant that's what it was mm-hmm. and the the truth being that uh, I don't know they th- these girls they didn't run in the same social circles or anything like that but they they all started attending the same like classes uh, had the same like uh, visits to the OBGYN or whatever and like they did they did have this commonality that that kind of connected them and that and that gave them this kind of bonded friendship and that that became the pregnancy pact not that they all wanted to get pregnant okay. uh, between the ages of 16 and 18 like, got it all that right. was not the pact um, okay that did not stop people I remember from, yes I remember yeah. the story being more nuanced than you know the uh, <laughs> yeah half the lifetime original movie version of it that we were getting oh so. John it, it was it was the subject it was a lifetime Original movie. It was the subject of uh, a Law and Order episode, of oh, a Bones episode, great. of two movies. Yes, <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. More please, more please. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get enough of these pregnant teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that wasn't at the, for- of the forefront. That wasn't at the forefront of the filmmakers' minds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when they licensed, it, when they got to license Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." But uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many better Marvin Gaye songs. Like they could have done "What's Going On." Come on, like. Just... <sighs> Why do I have to write Probably. the movie for you guys? Come <laughs> on! I don't know. It's still a solid picture, John. I don't. I don't know if you could have done. Actually, no. You would have. You would have. Um, gotten a little more edge to it. Oh um, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in this one, the mother dies. Okay, she dies <laughs> yeah. in a fire. She dies in a fire. No. You're a janitor from Quincy. I was a ride home. Yeah, <laughs> I can't be his guardian. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so I want to recommend a show on Netflix. And so, you know, we, we kind of harangue Netflix for, uh, being a little too quick, a little too quick to the, for the green light button. (laughs) Sure. Just give everything. But there are some times where they do green light something that is a little idiosyncratic. And I, I was kind of impressed at, uh, kind of how bizarre the show got at times. It's called Mm. Centaur World. (laughs) I hate, I hate it already. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) um the show sets itself up uh the premise is in a in a war-torn fantasy hellscape you know in this dark fantasy realm we have this lone warrior traveling the wastelands with her with her trusty steed um and as she's she's going through the uh the post-apocalyptic wasteland you know uh she gets attacked by these marauders these these evil forces and um you know she has this artifact and this prophecy and that's all she has and in the ensuing fight you know the artifact activates and there is this bright beam of light and then everything you know weird sci-fi uh, nonsense happens and the horse is transported to a magical rainbow kingdom called Centaur World and so <laughs> mm-hmm. the the premise is that now you have this kind of like hardened battle you know battle ready horse now stuck in this world full of like gumdrops and daisies <laughs> and like these... my little pony Basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And these bizarre creatures like um, the, the kind of made one that they set her up with is, her name is Wama Wink and she is a llama tar. <laughs> so she is a llama centaur. All the creatures who are technically centaurs are all uh, a variation of a different animal. So you have a zebra tar, mm-hmm. you have a giraffe tar, <laughs> you have at a certain point in the series a whale tar um, cat tar, you know just any animal now with a upper torso and you know the back four legs of whatever animal they are um it's a very very Mm. mammalia john yes mammalia (laughs) my apologies yes um (laughs) it is a very very weird show um the uh, main character, uh, it, because, again, she comes from a world that is supposed to be you know, hardened. She doesn't actually have a name, so she just goes by horse. Um, she is voiced by the uh, very uh, talented Kimiko Glenn. I don't know if you remember her, but she played So-So mm-hmm. in a, a show called Orange is the New Black. Do you remember the show called Orange is the New Black? <laughs> I, I do. And I will say the director of uh, CODA like kind of cut her teeth on many episodes of oh, Orange is the New Black. So yeah. that's the connection between these two recommendations. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, but what I also appreciate about it, it's a musical. Cause again, it's, it's very girly, you know, at its heart. <laughs> yeah. And so it's musical. But here's the great thing about it. Unlike, say, like a Steven Universe or a, a um, Bob's Burgers. The music is different every freaking time, okay? The music does not <laughs> all run together like those shows do. The music is very succinct. It's very specific to whatever's happening in the show. So it's it's got that kind of like crazy ex-girlfriend quality where it's like they got real songwriters who imbue this with a great <laughs> Broadway musical sense to it. Like there's three songs per episode, which is well, very impressive. Like typically, you know, you're lucky if you get one. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, you say that now. That's mm-hmm. only because we're in season one and and they have the energy now. There you go. Now they don't have a deadline, so it's like, <laughs> oh, like Bob's Burgers. Oh, it's going to be in the same key. It's yeah. going to have the same beat. It's going to da da da. Oh, da. what's the what's the plot of this episode? They're a brunch place now. Okay, Megan, Megan brunch, Megan, <laughs> Megan brunch. Okay, yeah, there's your song. <laughs> Put it over the end credits. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> And we love Spot Burger. Yes. Yeah. You don't need it. I don't know who, who stipulated they needed a musical number every episode. Yes. All 22 in a season. Like, God bless you. But, like, please do not go through the effort because it is not showing. No. And again, like, they, yeah, they all end up being the same. But this one, you're right. Yeah. The energy is there, the, the tenacity is there. And mm-hmm. so you've got that character in her play. Um, she has a drive, she wants to get back to a writer. Because, again, mm-hmm. she thinks that her writer is going to die without her. So she wants to get out of this world because she clearly does not belong. But then the ticking clock element is as the show progresses, as she's journeying across this bizarre land of centaur world, mm-hmm. she is becoming more cartoonish. She's set up to have a very different animation style than the rest of the characters. But as she is going through and and going through the experiences, she's becoming more cartoony as and fitting with the I'll, I'll generously call it CalArts style of Centaur world, the, the cartoony the aesthetic of yes, the world, yeah. where everyone's got you know the big wide eyes. And yeah. um, if if I do have one kind of like criticism of it, um, it's that it is kind of playing too much in that realm of like it's Teen Titans Go, it's gel, it's Jellystone, it's this is this is very much the trend right now. Is this kind of mm-hmm. like irreverent? You know, adults can enter t- enjoy it too. Kind of a um, of world of animation that's going on right now, but. Um, but it's the musical numbers that really keep me coming back. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, All right. Uh, oh, so so it is more like Steven Universe and yes. regular show. I thought it, from the premise, it sounded like an Adult Swim show. It was like, uh, like, oh, you've got this hardened uh, character falling into uh, My Little Pony world, and the the this sitcom basically hijinks are like extreme violence or something like that in this mm. world, and yeah, they can't. No, that's the weird thing. It's that it does feel adult and it always like kind of risks going adult, but it never actually does. And then, you know, I noticed like I think on the 3rd episode, the actual they still post the ratings even for shows that aren't, aren't meant for TV. Yes. It's still mm-hmm. rated TV-Y7. So it's like seven, oh, okay. I don't know, I don't know what seven year olds is going to actually get the jokes though that they're <laughs> doing. Cause again, like for them, all they're getting out of it is the bright colors, but it's like the yeah. dialogue and the, and the, the comedy of it is so erratic. I can't imagine the kids actually <laughs> appreciate it, but whatever, what do I know? I don't have kids. So yeah, yeah. but uh, it's, it's a very interesting show. I was, I was kind of glued for the first 10 episodes. So, you know, good job guys. And it's getting okay. a second season. So we'll see where it goes okay. from there. Yeah. All right, interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. For, it seems like for the first time in a long time, we, we got to wholeheartedly recommend <laughs> each of us got to wholeheartedly recommend something, and there is that orange is the new black connection. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the quality content that people crave. Yes. Um. Yeah. And so let's move confidently to the end of the episode, uh, where we just tell people about like uh, just the. Wait, but hold on, Greg. Before before what, we we before we end this episode, did you get my salad? Did what? you get my salad? Did you rebook my flight? Did you rebook my flight? God damn it! Sh- <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you know what, Greg? You know what? You're up for review, okay? So you're, you're going to be inundated with Trivia Challenge. Oh my gosh, John. With that attitude, I think we found a new host of Jeopardy. <laughs> it's my distaste for women that really makes me the perfect host for trivia, honestly. <laughs> i i think it's your like machiavellian uh, uh pursuit single minded pursuit just to become a game show host mm. and then to move maneuver your way into game shows where you know that the host is either going to pass away or retire soon <laughs> yes and and if your ambitions were, let's say, that simple, like, I would say, fine, you got it. It's like, really good yes. for you. Go. You had such low, low needs in your life that you needed this. However, it was just being such a massive pile of shit yes. as well, I mean, that doesn't help, yeah. I mean, like, what what little internal life do you have where you look at a character like Ryan Seacrest with envious eyes, like, thinking, like, <laughs> that could be me? Well, John, John look at Mike Richards' face <laughs> and see. <laughs> you will find a person with no interior life. Okay. <laughs> Anyway. So this is another patented round of the game patent pending that I have patented. It's called Name That Movie. Okay, it is a Uh totally original, totally genius, do not steal it. Okay. (laughs) So is it you have ten movies you need to name. And again, like every every version of Name That Movie, there's no connections between them. Don't even look for a theme. Don't even bother. Don't even try. Okay. Question number one. All right. Originally set to be released in October of 2019, this film was delayed to May 2020 due to poor test screenings. By the time the movie was complete, the uh, COVID pandemic had begun, and so the film was delayed once again until Netflix was able to pick up the rights and released it in May of 2021. Name that movie. Uh, that would be the woman in the window, correct? Uh, based on the bestseller by A.J. Flynn, um, who himself is a is a weird charlatan with a with a sort past, much like former Jeopardy host Mike Richards. <laughs> wow, you know way more than me. I was just like, yeah. oh, they're trying to make Gone Girl a thing again. Cool, cute, yeah, and and they did, and they succeeded. Yes. <laughs> All right. Question number two. This film is based on the book The Half Life by Jonathan Raymond. Although, it went into production with the title Slow Elk, which is a term for cattle used by Oregon's first people. Name that movie. Slow Elk. Oregon. Ooh, already it sounds like a Kelly Reichardt movie. Just the utterance (laughs) of that name just fills my brain with uh, the sounds of women and children screaming and machine gun fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The slow elk thing in the Oregon setting. Again, I'm just going to assume it's a Kelly Reinhart movie. I'm going to say first cow. No, wait, wait, no. I got it. Three women. Greg, once again, your biggest folly in trivia is that you talk yourself out of the right answer. It's first cow. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I'm completely lost. (laughs) Genuinely, it seems like there's no connection connection between those two movies. But anyway, all right, let's continue. (laughs) All right. Due to poor test screenings, again, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> David Edelston, a financier at Paramount, became concerned that the film was, quote, too intellectual and, quote, too complicated, and demanded changes to make it appeal to a wider audience. However, another producer on the project and the director refused and did not alter it, and they ended up getting a final cut of this film. Name that movie. <laughs> wow. This is, this is a unique situation in Hollywood, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> um. Right, it's not an acrostic. <laughs> um, I guess I, I didn't give you enough hints on this one. Uh, yeah. You might need an ex machina to save you on this one.
1: <laughs> Only um, the
0: smartest devs could figure it out. <laughs> okay. So uh, so clearly, I, thank you for leading him on that one. The devs one was good. Um, <laughs> so this is obviously the work of Al Scarland, and it's what I was going to say for actually my last movie, and that's uh, Annihilation. That is correct. Good work. <laughs> yeah. After okay. I said Paramount, Paramount should have been my guest, too, because mm. they're the only ones still releasing movies in theaters. I think. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Number four, Alec Baldwin has appeared in two Cameron Crowe films. The first mm-hmm. being the uh, critically allotted Elizabeth Town. The second being this also critically allotted film. <laughs> Name this movie. <sighs> uh, Elizabeth Town. But is it? Oh, it's a it's Aloha. That is correct. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, the finest was, depiction th- of uh, of a Hawaiians first people, <laughs> Aloha. Yes. <laughs> when I think Aboriginal, <laughs> I think <laughs> Emma Stone. There you but go. anyway, <laughs> yes, we laugh about it now. Anyway, yeah. Question number five: The writer-director of this film remarked that quote: "The film didn't really have a plot." That concerned us at one point. That's why we threw in the cat. This decision he would grow to regret, as multiple cats were used in filming and were very disobedient and ruined many takes. Name the movie. (laughs) So there's a cat in the movie. It's either Men in Black or Captain Marvel. And I I refuse to believe that any any Marvel movie had any uh, tumult behind the scenes, so I'm going to go with uh, Men in Black. Ooh, so close. It was inside Lewin Davis. (laughs) Ah, there it is. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right, question number six. Since there was no money to shoot in all the stadiums that the story required, Dodger Stadium was dressed up as eight different ballparks for this film. Name the movie. I know my baseball movies, Mm. and I'm going to have to think on this one. Um, it's not the Naked Gun, which is set at <laughs> Dodger Stadium, even though the Angels are playing, because <laughs> um, they didn't want to drive all the way to Anaheim. Uh, it's it's the full season. It's not Major League, because they did actually shoot in Cleveland. I'm going to say... No, it's not in. What am I saying? <laughs> or is it something else? It's some other preposition. No, I know it. It's for the love of the game. Ooh, so close. It's Moneyball. Moneyball, okay. I still... Uh, uh, call me a dum-dum or whatever, or I'm just tired. I, de- I, literally, I literally debated telling you off to the top what, this, what the theme was because I knew it wasn't going to yeah. help you, but I'm going to save it till the end now. I mean, it's kind of... Okay, yeah. yes, now you have to. Yes. Yeah. All right. Two movies were released in 2009 where Meryl Streep's character was involved in a cooking-related business. One was Julia and Julia. Name the other movie... Um, the only other—I'm uh, going to go with the only other Meryl Streep I can movie I can name uh, around that time, and that's uh, *Hope Springs*, <laughs> where she plays the sassy sheriff. <laughs> *Hope Springs*. Sorry, this was our second appearance of Alec Baldwin. It's complicated. And, oh God, yes, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Just one of the most grotesque posters of all time. Yes. <laughs> I'd rather watch *The Thing* before I see that poster again. <laughs> okay, number eight. This movie is the first Nickelodeon Movies film to win an Academy Award. It won Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Name the movie. (sighs) Makeup and Hairstyling. Nickelodeon film. I don't know if this counts as a Nickelodeon film, but I'm going to say it is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Ring the damn sales bell. That is correct. couldn't work. Boom. (laughs) Boom. I don't know why I—I knew it was like a Paramount movie and <laughs> yeah. hence the the Nickelodeon connection because they're all under the, the Viacom umbrella. Mm. But yes, all right. <laughs> is that the connection? Is that the connective <laughs> tissue? You, you, again, you wait till the end. All right, all right. Number nine. This is a rare film that features Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, and Andrew Wilson. Although only the hand of Andrew Wilson is featured. <laughs> Name the movie. <laughs> oh, John, this is the this is classic. This is right in my wheelhouse. Mm. This is uh, 2005, 2006, when you and I are graduating high school. I've got no job. I've got nothing to do. You and I are on worstpreviews.net, and we are anticipating the latest releases, including this one, which is the Wendell Baker story. Wow. <laughs> I am sorry. I, that is incorrect. <laughs> what? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, the movie I was looking for was The Royal Tenenbaums. The Royal okay. Tenenbaums. Oh. Wait, the uh, the other Wilson brother worked on that? Or? So, okay. I Again, I gave you the clue. Only his hand appears. Yeah. So in the movie, Ben Stiller's character is supposed to have a BB that was stuck in his hand um, from mm-hmm. a childhood accident. Andrew uh, Wilson actually has a BB stuck in his hand, and so his hand is featured, hence why all three are actually featured in this movie. (laughs) All right. Yes. But all three of them worked on the Wendell Baker. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But they also—they you know, all, all love Wes Anderson. So you know. I know. Yeah. They all grew all right. up in Texas. Victi- I'm go. taking a, Yeah, I'm I'm taking a moral victory on that okay. one. Okay, fine. Because <laughs> I remember the Wendell Baker story. All right. Well, <laughs> a film which is impossible to find. Okay. Well, this one, this one is for all the marvels. Okay, and it would be mm-hmm. deeply embarrassing if you did not get, if you do not get this. Okay. So again, okay. for for everything, for the the million dollar question, mm-hmm. number yeah. ten. Although this film takes place in Burbank, California, it was filmed in Seaside, Florida. With one of the filming locations being the childhood home of Florida Republican Representative Matt Gates. <laughs> Name the movie. <laughs> and, and sex trafficking. <laughs> uh, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he is, he's still representative of our government, good sir, and he demands our yes. respect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And one day he's going to be a real boy, okay? You wait and see. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket's going to grant him his wish, all right? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, John, you you already had me at the at the Burbank at Seaside, Florida location, but of course the 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 unnecessary detail of Matt Gates growing up in <laughs> what what they call incorrectly the Truman House <laughs> oh. is actually the house featured in the show in the movie The Truman Show. There you go, excellent work. Yeah. Second appearance of one Jim Carrey. Good work. Yeah. Now, Greg. Again, I was thinking of, of revealing it at the beginning because I knew it wouldn't have helped. All these movies have been produced by one Scott Rudin. <laughs> okay. See, Scott Rudin, great, great uh, producer. Mm-hmm. The range uh, on this guy. Truman Show. Exactly. Truman Show, one of the greatest masterpieces. So who's to say if he's a bad guy or <laughs> <laughs> Again, we've got Alec Baldwin, we've got Scott Rudin, we've got Matt Gaetz. This This episode has it all. Everyone wins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All equally villains <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Should all be sent to the Hague. All monsters. All monsters. throw away <laughs> the key. Yeah, throw away the key. Get out of here. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, we have fun, but you know what's yeah, indeed we but do. But you know it's also fun. Social media. Uh, disagree, but no. um, it, it's it's what pays the bills. So um, if you did like what you listened to, I can't imagine why you wouldn't, um, go ahead and give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're all on there. And uh, go ahead and subscribe to us on your podcast service of choice. That could be Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Again, I don't know why you would be on that one at all. But, yes. um, <laughs> we don't offer some kind of weird phonation, so I don't know why you'd ever podcast. but. Yeah, <laughs> but as well as Stitcher and Overcast, uh, functional <laughs> podcast services. So um, you got those as well. So and hey, if you really like the show, which again I hope you did, uh, go ahead and write us a review. It helps more people find the show. It helps us uh, kind of grow our 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 bona fides. And uh, yeah, again, we just really appreciate it. We we make no money from this, so it's not like there's a there's a financial incentive. <laughs> um, but there's a moral <laughs> one. There's a there's a <laughs> There's one to make us not feel like we're wasting our time. <laughs> yes, and of course, if you ever want to reach out to us directly with your missives, you could always email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail dot com. Uh, we take recommendations there. We'll read questions live on air. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I, if you send hate mail, we'll we'll cry on camera. I think that's what you're you want when you know you send us hate mail. So obviously, we'll be prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Not me. Not me. I cannot be owned. I cannot be faded. Yeah. Your words will not affect me. (laughs) I'm the strongest man there is. Um. (laughs) Wow. Okay. This is news to me. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. John, speaking of strong men, they factor uh, heavily into what will be a a milestone for us, literally our 200th episode. So you're going to want to tune into that one, folks, because it's a big one. Yes. We are going to be revisiting the movie that won Best Picture in the year of our birth, the year of our Lord, 1987. We are going to be... Witnessing for the first time the last emperor. Yes. And also uh, paying tribute to those uh, rabbits in the zodiac and those Libras (laughs) among (laughs) us. Hell yeah. (laughs) We missed out on that dragon, but you know what? Rabbits are still cool too. (laughs) Yes, rabbits are awesome. (laughs) 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 They're cute. Unlike dragons, they exist. Um, there you go. (laughs) So they got that going for them. Some (laughs) would argue they exist too much because they invade any space that they end up in. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um,. But, yeah, so it's going to be a big milestone for us, and I think we have a few uh, surprises for that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Fun times. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Well, until then, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, and until next time, uh, happy 200th episode, and... keep aspiring, I guess. Um, okay. I don't know yeah. why you're wishing happy hundreds to something that hasn't happened yet. Come on. I I don't know. The climate could collapse by that. You're, you're jinxing it. That's true. That's true. you